This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But what is the oddest thing about it is that it's not part of our solar system, or at least it didn't form in our solar system. Because its trajectory, you know, the path it's taking through our neighborhood, suggests that it's coming in at a high speed and high angle from, from somewhere else. You're listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling science and technology monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store. Hello and welcome to the Science Focus podcast. I'm Jason Goodger, commissioning editor of BBC Focus magazine. In October 2017, an astronomer working in Hawaii discovered a bizarre cigar-shaped object hurtling through our solar system. It was the first interstellar object detected passing through our celestial neighbourhood and imaginations were immediately sent into overdrive. Could it be an asteroid, a comet, or even an alien spaceship sent here on a scouting mission from a distant planet? The strange entity, named Oumuamua, still has astronomers scratching their heads. But it's not our universe's only mystery. From invisible galaxies to gigantic rectangles, the cosmos is awash with puzzling objects. In this week's podcast, astronomy writer Colin Stewart counts down his top five. Here's our staff writer, James Lloyd, speaking to Colin. So, Colin, we're going to go on a bit of a whistle-stop tour through the most mysterious objects in the universe. So at number five on the list, we have the Red Rectangle Nebula. Can you uh, describe this to me? It's an odd one because it's, it's really geometric in shape. So as the name suggests, it's, it's a rectangle. And it's odd to see something with such perfect straight lines in, in a nebula. Normally, they're quite 
uh, sprawling and, and, and nebulous. Mm. But in this case, it's it's almost perfectly square. We don't see many rectangles in space in general, do we? No, it's really unusual to see to see that kind of shape, and 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 so it means that we don't know exactly why it is shaped like that. There are some ideas, but they're, they're certainly not confirmed. So this is a kind of rectangular. Is it a mass then of like gas and dust? Exactly that. Yeah, exa- uh, it sits about two, two just over two thousand light years away. Um, so it's very much part of our galaxy. But uh, explaining where it comes from is a bit uh, a bit tricky. We've got pictures of it, haven't we? We've seen it. We, it's the Hubble Space Telescope took um, took some shots of it. Do we know how the nebula forms? Well, so the leading idea is that. Uh, at the heart of the nebula is actually two stars rather than a single star. And if both of those stars uh, create a shockwave, that can hit the surrounding dust. Mm-hmm. And so what you end up with is two cones. And that to seen together from a distance, those two cones would kind of add together to make a rectangle. Mm-hmm. And so the effect is to give it this kind of appearance of a giant glowing red rectangle. Um, do we know what causes its strange kind of red glow as well? The the effect is called extended red emission, uh, and also it, it remains a mystery. So we think it's to do with the dust uh, surrounding the stars, uh, and in particular when the dust interacts with ultraviolet light, because we see this effect elsewhere in the universe too when you get UV light and dust. But exactly what, what's going on, we're not entirely sure, although some people have talked about um, if the dust is particularly carbon-rich, you know, has lots of carbon molecules in it, then, then that could give you the sort of boosted red light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so at number four, we've got Galaxy X. Um, this does sound like something out of science fiction. What's what's so special about this particular galaxy? It's dark matter content. Mm-hmm. So dark matter is the invisible glue that we think helps bind big structures together like galaxies. Um, and in a galaxy like our Milky Way, we're talking about 20 times more dark matter than ordinary matter. But in dwarf galaxies like this one, there's significantly a significantly higher proportion of dark matter even than that. Uh, and so there, there appears to be very few stars, very few hot objects in there. It's just almost invisible, cold and dark. And whereabouts is this galaxy in relation to the Milky Way? It's a satellite of our Milky Way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's uh, bound in orbit around our own galaxy. And, and that's how we discovered it in the first place. Because it's gravitational pull is uh, disrupting some of the the dust and gas in our own galaxy Uh causing little ripples and that's the kind of giveaway that there's something else at play does it pose a threat to our um, galaxy at all you know if we collided with it or anything like that no i mean we we're surrounded by lots of satellite galaxies um and they are so small compared to our to our milky way that Mm. you know unless the collision was straight through the solar system, which is unlikely it wouldn't cause us an issue. Uh-huh. And how many dark matter galaxies are out there? Have we have we discovered any more? We have a handful. Um, so there was one that uh, was discovered back in 2006, and, and staggeringly it contains a thousand times more dark matter than ordinary matter. Uh, and so these things might be a really good way of almost like natural laboratories for studying dark matter, because there's very little else that they're made of, so they're they could be quite pristine in that mm-hmm. way. So, so the idea is that we could make observations of these galaxies and then that might help us figure out, because we still don't know what dark matter is, do we? So could it help us figure that out? It might do, yeah. And it's getting to the stage, actually, where our ideas about what dark matter is made of are coming up short. Mm. You know, all of our current experiments are, are not finding what they, what they thought they might find. So if we go back to the drawing board and, and try and come up with some new ideas, 
testing those ideas in, in these little uh, dark matter dwarf galaxies could be a, a good way forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so number three, we've got Planet Nine. Um, so this is something that people might have heard of. Um, it's been around for quite a while, hasn't it? This idea of an extra planet in our solar system. Uh, what's the latest thinking about about this mysterious uh, planet that we still haven't discovered, but people think might be there? Yeah, it's quite amazing to think that we might not finish the list of planets in our own solar system at the moment. So th the idea of this particular planet has been around for about five years. Because when we look at objects that orbit the sun, considerably further out than even Pluto, they all appear to be herded together. They all have very similar orbits. Now, if you saw a load of sheep running around in a field all together, you might imagine there's a shepherd or a sheepdog somewhere that maybe you can't see. Well, that's exactly the same as what, what we think is going on here, that these objects are being herded together by the gravity of a, a planet we haven't seen yet. And we're talking about a considerable planet. You know, it would be 10 times the mass of the Earth in order to be able to pull these objects around in that way. Mm. And so how far away would this be then from Earth? You know, is it right on the outskirts of the solar system? We're talking between 10,000 and 20,000 times further from the sun than the Earth. Uh, and to put that into context, Neptune, which is the currently accepted last planet, is only 30 times right. further oh. from the sun than the Earth. So way, way out, much further than uh, than anything we've seen so far. Mm. So if it's if it's so big, why haven't we spotted it yet? What's, what's stopping us from um, discovering it? It's that distance. So for us to see it, it's only going to reflect sunlight. So the sunlight has to go from the sun out to at least 10,000 times the Earth's distance, reflect off the planet, and travel almost all the way back to the sun again, to us. And it's, light fades all the while. Fades on the way out and fades on the way back. So it means that it's currently right on the edge of our, um, our telescopes. But th there are astronomers, uh, as we speak this week, that we're talking that have been on the telescopes in Hawaii night after night trying to hunt it down. And are you optimistic that we'll find it? Do you think it is out there? It seems to be the best explanation for what we're seeing. Um, and according to the people who are searching for it, the, the area that they think it might be in, that they've sort of narrowed down, we can complete the search in the next three or four years. Uh -huh. So we're not going to have to wait, hopefully, you know, decades and decades as this object could be, could be found in, in the years to come. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so number two is my favourite on the list. It's called Hoag's Object. Um, I'll try to describe it. It's, it's a galaxy, um, but it's kind of unlike any galaxy you've seen before. It's got like a central kind of yellow core. It looks almost like a sun, but I guess it's lots and lots and lots of stars. Um, surrounded by a kind of dusty like halo almost. Um, it looks a bit like the uh, Eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings or something. It looks almost CGI. Um, what is this? It's a galaxy, obviously, but you know, what do we know about it? Um, and what's so unusual about it? Well, it looks a bit like a normal spiral galaxy, except almost as if someone's come along and, and rubbed out the inner bit. So you still have the centre and you have the ring around the outside, but someone's kind of deleted the, the rings in the middle. Um, and really, it's still a mystery as to why that is. You know, is it a spiral galaxy that's been disrupted in some way? Is it a kind of, you know, very rare type of galaxy that we, we don't see very often? Um, people have talked about maybe a collision 
that if a, a, a big galaxy and a small galaxy have collided, then that might be enough to have created this shape. Um, but if that were the case, you'd still see the, you know, if a small object had passed through a big one, you'd still see the small object nearby. Um, and we don't see that. And the other thing is that, that collisions, they tend to make things spin faster. Right. You know, as something gets hit, the spin, if it's spinning, it spins faster and faster. But, but the core of this galaxy spins really slowly. Um, so that doesn't really fit with a collision either. So, yeah, the jury's still very much out. I don't think anyone has a, a, a good explanation for it. It's a very unique object. And have we found any um, other similarly shaped objects? I guess it's a, what would you call it, a ring galaxy? Something yeah, a like ring that. galaxy. Mm. Well, the really coincidental thing is, and it's, it's crazy, is that behind this ring galaxy, much further in the distance, there appears to be another ring galaxy <laughs> that you can see through the first ring. But we don't think those two ring galaxies have anything to do with each other. We're just seeing them in the same line in the night sky. But these objects are so rare that the chances of having a ring object, a ring galaxy seen through the ring of another ring galaxy is you know, astronomically small. <laughs> a bit spooky. <laughs> it's crazy. So moving on to number one, uh, most mysterious object in the universe, you've selected uh, an object called Oumuamua, which has been in the news a lot over the past year or so. Um, for those who aren't familiar with this, could you describe it? It's a very unusual looking object, isn't it? Yes, it's very long. Um, and that's what makes it particularly unusual. So it, it, imagine like a space cucumber, <laughs> that, sort, that sort of dimensions of width to length. But what is the oddest thing about it is that it's not part of our solar system, or at least it didn't form in our solar system. Because its trajectory, you know, the path it's taking through our neighborhood, suggests that it's coming in at a high speed and high angle from, from somewhere else. Uh -huh. So this is the first confirmed interstellar object, right. you know, an object that's entered the solar system from the outside. And um, when did we first discover it? When was it first spotted? Uh, back in October 2017, so it's still pretty recent. You know, this is a uh, something that we sort of then had to scramble to look at because it was moving so fast that that actually you didn't have a, a, a large window to to take some measurements of it. Uh -huh. And so we've got a picture of it, or, or do we do we have a picture of it? How, how have astronomers actually spotted it? As such, is it using telescopes? What kind of telescope? Yeah, so yeah. optical te optical telescopes to start with, but we don't have a picture of it in the sense that. It's quite small. It, we're talking no more than a kilometre long, right? Um, which for a piece of space, you know, debris is is fairly fairly small, um, and at a distance that you're never going to be able to take a, a full photograph of it. But by the way that it reflects uh, the light from the sun, you can, uh, and it's the way it's spinning, you can then build up a picture of of what it's like. So when you see the images, that the the CGI images, but based on based on, on uh, real measurements of its the way it reflects light. So astronomers spotted this bizarre cigar, cucumber-shaped object. Um, they know it came from outside the solar system, um, and they're still trying to figure out what exactly it is, aren't they? What, what explanations have been proposed so far since it was discovered? Well, the go-to explanation at first was that it was an asteroid, an asteroid that had been ejected from another solar system. Uh, and if we look back at the history of our solar system, we think we would have ejected a lot of asteroids too. So mm -hmm. that's not a surprise. 
the, the shape was a bit of a surprise, but they thought it was an asteroid. But then we got a curveball. It was changing its path through the solar system in a way that couldn't be explained by the gravity of the sun alone. Mm-hmm. So there was something else changing the path of this object right. as it moved through the solar system. An asteroid wouldn't really do that. Whereas a comet, on the other hand, which is made of ice rather than rock, if the sun is warming the ice, then it would have created little jets that came out from the object, almost like little rocket boosters that would have you know, moved it off course slightly. So it, uh, we've sort of moved now from asteroid to comet as the, uh, as the explanation. Although, having said that, it's nowhere near as... Um, or it's a lot more shiny than comets. Right. It reflects a lot more light than a comet does, almost double the amount. So the comet idea isn't isn't a sort of nailed-on perfect explanation either. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only explanation, is it, that's been proposed. There's a professor who has suggested it could even be uh, an alien space probe sent, you know, from another from another solar system to um, to find out more about our solar system. Um, could you tell me more about that that suggestion? Yeah, it's a very controversial but very interesting idea. Um, again, it's to do with this, why is it moving off its natural course? Um, and of course, if it's an alien artifact, then then that might be the reason. Um, the, the idea being that maybe it's propelled by a, a solar sail. So it has a sail on board that catches the solar wind that allows it to, uh, to move. Uh-huh. So that would be why it was changing course. And, and in that paper they put out, they showed that, in theory, the changes in its path could be explained by by a solar sail, but it's really unlikely. So who who put out this uh, paper, was it? It um... was um, Professor uh, Arvi Loeb at Harvard. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it got such a big, it made quite a big splash, because you know, if a Harvard professor says this is the case, then <laughs> people are going to listen. What's the reaction been to, the, to that suggestion? Most of the astronomical community have been very sceptical about it, because almost always... Well, always, the simplest explanation for something is not aliens. Um, and just this week, again, we've listened, uh, there's data come out from listening to the object. Because if you if it was artificial, you know, if it was some alien space probe, maybe it would have some sort of radio source to send back the data that it was finding to its alien mm. creators. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a... a, a uh, a search for radio signals coming from it have been completely, haven't found a single thing. So it's completely radio quiet, which is unlikely if it's a, an alien scout sending yep. data back, mm-hmm. back about our solar system. Uh-huh. So what's the most likely explanation at the moment then, do you think? At the moment, it's, it's a comet. Um, that's what most people are uh, are plumping for. But with the caveat that it, that it is a, a very unusual for a comet to be so A, so elongated and, and, and B, so reflective. So maybe it says something about what the solar system is like that it came from and maybe how that was slightly different to our one. But yeah, I think most people are putting their bets on Comet at the moment. Yeah, okay. Um, how can we find out for sure? Or can we find out for sure? Is, is this object likely to visit us again or is it is it off on its travels now to another part of uh, another part of space? Yeah, that's it. I'm afraid our chances are gone because it's, <laughs> it's fleeing now out beyond the Earth. So it's going now, it's gone past Jupiter and it's going through the outer solar system and... In a few more decades, it would have left the the solar system entirely, uh, back out on its trajectory to interstellar space. So, for this object, I think the the chance is over. Um, but we've still got some 
data from the when it was closer to, to pour over. Mm-hmm. So people are still working on the stuff we have, but yeah, the chance for new new observations of it are gone. I'm afraid. So it's likely always to remain a little bit of a mystery then. Yeah, for this one, and it, and it kind of shows us that maybe we should have a space probe waiting on the Earth, good to go. That when we when we uh, find something like this, that we can send up a probe quickly and, and and get a closer look. Because I think at the time people showed that that we could have got a closer look if we'd had a sort of a probe ready and waiting to go for these things. Because they should be passing through our solar system all the time. It's just quite hard for us to to spot them in the short window that they're close to the Earth. So do you think there could be a lot more objects like this out there then? Was, was it just kind of happenstance? Was it just chance that we, we spotted this one? Yes, exactly. I mean, these objects should be, uh, you know, these interstellar interlopers should be passing through our solar system all the time. Um, but if they're the size of a kilometre, you know, happening to look in the right place at the right time to find them is it's just luck. Mm-hmm. So we should see more of these in future, whether they'll be as, as weird and, and weirdly shaped as this one. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> that was Colin Stewart talking about Oumuamua. Colin's latest book, How to Live in Space, is out now, and you can read his full piece on the universe's most mysterious objects in the January issue of BBC Focus magazine. Also in this issue, we look at... The science of maximising the effectiveness of your workout by working smarter, not harder. The cutting-edge tech able to spot heart attacks before they happen. And the researchers hoping to stretch quantum theory to its limits by putting a living thing in two places at once. The magazine is available in supermarkets and news agents now, where you can also find our latest special edition, The Science of True Crime. In it, we find out how psychological profiling changed the FBI, whether maths can help us predict terrorist attacks, and how brain injuries can help create criminals, along with much more. Thank you for listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling science and technology monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store.